With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to episode 13 of the Celtic Exchange. This is Tino and today I'm joined by Miff and by Chris. With no game taking place at the weekend, it's been pretty quiet on the Celtic front, but we're sure things will spring to life in the days ahead once the new director of football slash head coach Dream Team is announced. There's also the third Glasgow derby of the season to look forward to on Sunday and John Kennedy will be looking to make his mark there, regardless of where his future lies. We'll cover all of this and more in this week's episode. Miff, I know you've got half an eye on Cheltenham this week, but can we drag you away from that, even temporarily, for your thoughts on the week ahead for Celtic? Hello Tino, hello Chris. Uh, yes you can, is the, the answer to that, although um, you've caught, caught me at a good time, this is this is, this is is my Christmas day, really. Christmas Eve. Pre, Pre-Cheltenham, buzzing. However, uh, matters in hand first to, to Celtic. Um, well, at least we never had our weekend wasted this weekend, no game, uh, nothing to give us additional time to recover. Uh, for the realisation that the ten's gone, oh, no real movement. It'd be fair to say, other than seems to be fairly solid rumours about about Keane, which surprised me. If I'm being perfectly honest, I'd you know been out of the game for a reasonable amount of time and, and would seem to link in with <laughs> the kind of profile of manager which we don't want, which we've discussed previously, and that's one for the the kind of past ages that maybe relies a bit more than fire and brimstone than, than actual tactical analysis. So I, I'm, I'm not very convinced with, it, with the names that have been linked so far, but there's always a there's always a, a feeling that whoever it's going to be hasn't been mentioned yet. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. There's so many names doing the rounds and, you know, Keane's the latest and Chris Wilder, which we'll go on to, uh, and various others. But there's so many names. It can only be one of these guys. And like when Martin Neal came in and like when Brendan Rodgers came in, their names weren't in the mix until the day they were announced, so maybe, maybe that's what we're going to get. Chris, where are you at? Thanks for having me along again, Tino. Math, good to be back. Um, this week, again, it's just trying to get yourself motivated, to be honest with you, in terms of looking forward to um, Sunday. Can I echo what Math's kind of saying as well, in terms of the weekend as well? It's just you're actually quite glad sometimes you actually know get a game the way this season's going, but listen... Again, Celtic Rangers games, it's just an opportunity again it does the game form because the form book goes out the window, so it gives an opportunity maybe just to get galvanise ourselves again. We've got Scottish Cup obviously in the rising that's coming up. So hopefully again, this can maybe be a game to galvanise us and maybe give John Kennedy actually like that kick that we possibly need. So listen, just look at it as an opportunity. That's the way I'm kinda of looking at it. I'm just trying to be a wee bit optimistic. The ego's taking a bit of battering over the past <laughs> past seven days. Um, so no, again, I'm just trying to be a wee bit optimistic. Cause the, the manager front, um, not too inspiring um, for me. Um, I'd put my hands up as well. But in terms of Roy Keane, I would have probably taken Roy Keane in November, October time. In terms of something to come in and get, get try to galvanise the team at the, that particular time. But no, no, the long term thinking. As I said, it's a manager. I think he's too much like a manager that's walked out the door. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. and as I said, he has again. It's a managerial. Um, appointment I think it's gone back the way in terms of coaching and stuff like that as well so I think we need to be thinking a wee bit further ahead so that's my kind of general thoughts on it at the moment Just on that point Chris on, on Keane I think you would get maybe a, a six month bounce out him, you know coming in getting the players fired up but I think what you've seen is in other jobs that he's done happened at Sunderland also which it seems to unravel quite quickly as well and it, it, it forms into a malaise not dissimilar to what we've seen this season and I think that type of appointment is just the one that we need to avoid now Keane coming in would maybe depend on what the structure would be underneath him who the, who the, the backroom team would be maybe if it was somebody like Duff coming in um, who's been there before and, and seemed to you know have a good rapport with the players then would that maybe be a bit more palatable for, for people I, I don't know I'm, I'm not sold on it from being yeah. careful it's just because yeah. I'm wary of going down that route of oh it's a Celtic man yes you know but we need 
we just need a bit more than that. We need to kind of move. We need to be progressive and move forward rather. That would be a retrograde step yeah, for me. I, I think we really do need to move away from the Celtic man thing. I just think it's such a, a dated concept, and you need to know the club and understand the club and all that kind of stuff. I just don't buy that. I think in the modern game, the most important thing is getting a, a guy who's first and foremost up to speed with modern day tactics and, and how football works and how the modern day footballer responds as well. And also the feeling I get with Keane when, when you see him on the telly is he's just absolutely seething with the modern day football player. Like yeah. Every every attitude that he gives, he, like, he just can't understand why somebody's not as good as him and can't motivate themselves. And unfortunately what you have in the modern day footballer is, you know, a kind of com- a combination of that where people need motivated and he just looks like he wants to grab somebody by the collar and basically give them a swift jab I think as well we're kind of we've been talking about quite a lot is the director of football role right and I don't see Roy Keane I think I could be confrontational with Roy Keane yeah. that, that my, that's just my opinion and I think we need to go down that route as I said I think we need to be progressive as a club in terms of how we're doing things I think the director of football route is the kind of way the route we're going and I just feel a Roy Keane in coordination with someone don't get me wrong and somebody could throw in Martin O'Neill in there I think mm-hmm. Martin O'Neill would be a director of football but I'm saying and now you could say that relationship's kind of worked it's worked well in terms of manager assistant manager type stuff but you can't see Roy Keane and somebody else in coordination with one another because he has very a confrontational character and there needs to be working cohesion with one another so yeah. I just I can't really see that I don't think it's a natural fit It's going to be the most important relationship club wise that we'll have seen for a long time in terms of you know the director of football and head coach they must really align with each other. And I, yeah, I think you could have Roy Keane in and six weeks later walking away, you know, taking a half with somebody. I mean, I don't know if Mick McCarthy's in line for a director of football job. They two have obviously got a bit of history and that would be interesting well, to see. But I think there was a bit of fear that he would be approached for the job until he signed his kind of longer term deal with Cardiff. Yeah. I think he, he was a, another name that had been mentioned. Not, not a way to go for me. Roy Keane hasn't managed at club level since 2011. So 10 years... And he's not a, an old guy I think he's 48 Something like that So 10 years out the game Having done Okay at Ipswich Not so well at Sunderland So I don't think He should be in the mix At all And I think it's 2-2 two two making 5 Here to be honest with you What well, well, I would like those To see you Tell him that to his face Next time I see him It'll be the first to know <laughs> um, The other name Doing the rounds of course Is Chris Welder So you know Just stepped down From Sheffield United I think he'd been there Since 2016 Obviously done a particularly good job in last season in the Premiership, playing a pretty attractive brand of football. Obviously not so much this year. Matt, what's your take on him? You know a bit more about his background. Yeah, well, he'd done a really good job at Oxford um, before going to Sheffield United and then took them fully going to the Premier League. Uh, Wilder, I, I wouldn't be hugely disappointed if Wilder was appointed. What I just would be wary of with Wilder is his, the money that he spent um, the players that he recruited for the second season in the Premier League looked to me like he'd completely disregarded what he'd learned in the first season, based on the you know the the caliber and the profit, even the profile of the player that they that they brought in. What I did like was the way he went about. You know, he stayed loyal to guys that got him promoted, and what he did was he organised his teams well against better teams to win games. In many ways, as a blueprint for for Celtic, you would think that's what we would want him to do. In Europe, so he ticks that kind of box for me, and he knows he knows how to set his teams up to get results against better teams, play to their strengths. He did have the players playing for him, and in Sheffield United, if you watched them at the start of the season, they were quite unlucky in a lot of games. They lost, I think, a fair portion of their first ten games with the odd goal. Um, so I don't think there was a case where the, the players weren't playing for him. They, they suffered for bad luck and poor recruitment in the summer, and I think that came that's actually which has caught them out this season. Wilder's profile for me, what we what we would maybe be getting is a manager who's better than what he's shown this season, whilst his stock's kind of fallen a bit, almost a bit similar to what happened with Rodgers. Somebody who's worked who's worked in the modern game would know the English lower leagues and the the gems that you can get within there. You know we've saw it by missing out on the likes of Ivan Tony um, in the in the summer. You know if somebody knows that player a bit more, mm-hmm. uh, 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 a bit better than maybe the existing Celtic scouting team or backroom team then they, they, they make that extra push to get them through the door rather than you know kind of quibble over an extra £50 a week or whatever it was that they did with Tony so for me I think he'd maybe be quite a good fit for Celtic would I, I would I be delighted no it's not going to motivate yeah, me it does not delight I, I you know as a small cantankerous man myself I can <laughs> I can you know relate to him so I find him immediately relatable um, it's just that for, for me 
I, I mean, he seems to be quite solid favourite in the betting as well. I, I, I wouldn't be delighted. I wouldn't mm. be delighted, but I, it would make sense to me based on his profile and what Celtic would be after. It's funny because I think you're right in terms of a footballing sense and, and a you know pragmatic approach. You know, there's a lot to be said for it. I just think at this moment in time, overlapping centre half lad. Is that what he plays? That's what, that's what he he brought to the game. Overlapping centre halves. Right. So well, big Ayer will be doing cartwheels. I, I take back that pragmatic approach, but yeah, I, I'm just saying at this moment in time, given the season that we've just experienced or, or that we're still in, actually eh, horrendously still in. I just don't expect Celtic to Cheer make up, you know. that kind of appointment. Chris Wilder, even Roy Keane, the fans just aren't buying that just now. And I think, ultimately, as we've spoken about previously, the, the big currency is season tickets and renewals will be going out in the coming weeks. And you're not going to renew for Chris Wilder. I don't know. If, I mean, it does look quite threatening. If you got him on a good ad campaign, I think, if he, you know, can I get him pointing, shouting at the screen? I think a few folk would be bullied into kind of renewing. Just by fear. Mm. What about yourself, Chris? Would you be happy with Chris Wilder taking the reins? Deep breath. No, for me again. Again, Miff's obviously got a bit more background in terms of his, um, in terms of what he's done previously. Sheffield, uh, Sheffield United. I just look at his. Like, I'm just actually looking at his kind of record in terms of the clubs that he's managed. But and again, I don't really know much too much about it before that. But again, he's had a, a great reputation at Sheffield United. But I just think it's no for me. As I said, that's something that kind of. It's, a bit, it's just not very inspiring for me and I, can, I don't know whether or not again, the names are still kind of thrown out there there's not many again you're speaking about the, the coach at Man City then now uh, forgive, forgive, forgive me Enzo Maresca Maresca again I think again there's, there's more chance of people getting behind that might sound really really silly you're going for a premiership manager to an under 23s coach mm-hmm. in terms of being inspired but again what he brings could potentially bring to the game in terms of it's it's more than just this kind of, I don't know, it's a fight in the Premier League in terms of these cl- these clubs. These clubs are in there and again, it's a battle for these clubs to remain in there. And I feel as if you can, you, you make a great point because we're going to come on it, Miff, as well in terms of player recruitment for Sheffield United. Again, what they're trying to do is bring players in there and obviously maintain their status in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. They're bringing, bringing in players like Ollie Burke. Again, maybe see him at first hand and come in you think to yourself, wow, he's yeah. still... I, just, just bear with me here, lads, but... I quite, I quite like Burke. Oh, I did. I quite like Burke. It's not too late to bring you for this podcast. I didn't. Hey, but when I get eight in a row, it was the for all Burke. Uh, yeah. Aye. So again, very uninspiring. I just feels, and I just, I don't think. Again, I, again, the way that I see Celtic kind of moving forward in terms of director of football roles, I said it's just I don't see that being again the cohesive approach in terms of a manager like that of a profile like, because he's going to come in and probably make his own mark. And again, I'm I'm speaking speaking of Sheffield United here. I don't know whether or not. There is a director of football role in place there, but again, I feel as if that's a big role, a big personality. Well, on that on that point, Chris, I think that that was part of the issue that had created tension in his role was that he had went out to. I think Tony was actually one of his targets. There was a couple of targets they had wanted in the in the summer, and they hadn't got, and that was why they ended up recruiting over Burton Max Lowe as well. I think they, they bought Max Lowe and Jaden Bogle for Derby. Um, in the fullback positions because they never actually got their first their first intended Choice, targets right. and I think that that kind of just led to the uh, erosion of the relationship between him and the board I think there's a um, there's a consortium uh, a middle, I think it might be a Middle Eastern consortium that's bought over Sheffield United and I think the club's getting managed remotely uh, and that was a source of frustration yeah. to Wilder but after overachieving in the in the first season you see it happen so many times that second season bounce factor yeah. it, it, does, it does happen if you don't recruit well it comes back to bite you and that, that's what's happened with him I would rather focus on the positives of building the team. I mean, Sheffield United were a team when I was younger that were regular in the Premier League, had fallen down to League One. You know, to get them back up and into the Premier League was a marvellous job in itself. Um, I, I, I'm not advocating that Wilder gets a job. It might sound like that. What I'm trying to say is it's not an attractive name, and I get that. Sometimes perception, you know, people are more excited about an under-23 manager getting mm-hmm. the job than they are about somebody who has actually managed at the top level, albeit it's got to be for a relatively short time. Um, it's that perception thing. It's that, And the board have to be aware of that because with season ticket renewals coming up, like you say, people aren't going to be excited by Chris yeah. Wilder. There'll be some people who can, who can make their peace with it. Like, I would, I would be like, right, okay, fair enough. But I think after the disaster of this season... You are needing something that's going to yeah. stimulate the fans again. I would be absolutely scunnered if Chris Wilder was named as our manager. I really would, because at the moment, I've got some sort of hope and optimism that there's some exciting times ahead and there's some big appointments to be made. 
And if Celtic do get them right, you know, and we don't know how much Don McKay is going to be involved in that, but if they do get the director of football right and the head coach right, and I agree, it's a tricky one, you know, the appointment in terms of the head coach. I think he has to be a name or at least someone who's recognised by those in the know in terms of what, you know, European football is at this moment in time. But yeah, he's also got to be a good coach. And I know that sounds really obvious, but it can't just be a name for name's sake. There's got to be something behind that name. And it is a tricky appointment. And you would just like to think and hope that whoever's making that call, and that's still a bit of a mystery. Does Peter Lawwell get a say in this? Does Dermot Desmond come back and be a bit more hands-on with it? Does Dominic Mackay get some sort of input? So who knows actually who's making that decision? But it's so, so important to make sure it ticks both boxes for me. Name and quality. And that's a hard, hard act to, to find. There's also a, a section of the fans I think would be quite happy with any German or Austrian sounding name that had the team running about like a bunch of maniacs as well because that, you know, that seems to be the vogue thing in, in football now as well. But ultimately, we all want the same thing and that's Celtic just playing good football and winning. And if not playing good football, then just winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would de- definitely go for that. I mean, there's just so many names doing the rounds. My my, my call at this moment in time, so March 2021, I think whoever we name will be somebody who's not even been touted yet. I think it's going to be a, a left-field appointment that nobody's even mentioned. Really useful there, Tino, because you've just let me sit and explain about Chris Wilder there. <laughs> you've just rammed that fence right up your backside. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? You're just me, hanging me right out to dry there. Not, but, so... I'm not advocating Chris Wilder, I'm just explaining why it may be a good appointment, why they would seek to appoint him. Do you do you then have a preference? Either of you? My preference is not Chris Wilder, is the bottom line. You, you said not to Keane, not to Wilder. Personally, Frank, Frank Lampard? No. No. Personally for myself, I want Celtic, I want a, I want a clear communication coming for Celtic to say, I keep saying it today, I've said Director of Football, God knows how many times I've been on the, uh, on the podcast tonight, and I just feel as if it just, I wish they would come out and say this is the direction we're going and then you get an understanding to say right I like that thinking or understand that rather than you throw a Roy Keenan in the mix then you're like right wait a minute where, where are we going here where are we going back just we just going around in circles again mm-hmm. it doesn't seem no, like a very forward that, that's, that's fair enough so b- based on that then would you welcome Steve Clark? Christian Ellis back his water out there I, I, I think I think I would welcome Steve Clark because I think he's obviously known because of what he's currently doing for Scotland and what he'd done for Kilmarnock. And he he's he is a, a skilled tactician. He's shown that he, he knows the game. He's worked with Jose Mourinho and various others. So he'd be more palatable for me. Ticking tick boxes. Also <laughs> a, a prime wearer of a, a nice V-neck as well. Well, he's so a right, right up, fashionable man. Right he's up a smartly street. dressed man. So I could get more on board with that. I suppose it just shows you as well, though, that this appointment completely divides the fan base. So you, you go on Twitter at any given time and throw a name in the mix and, and wait till you see the polarising opinions you get back on that I think the vast majority of fans from what I'm reading want that kind of project manager even though we've slagged project signings they want that project manager that Maresca type you know somebody that's not been tried at the top level that's going to come in and play a modern brand of football with, with a sort of Klopp Guardiola style pressing ball attention all that type of thing dare I say Rodgers-esque you know Rodgers first season for, for what we've seen that, that type of football well, will we get that? I, I think that is a really bold call to make for where we are just now. See, so you make a very good point there, my friend, because I think, and this is my preference, right? I'm going down the Eddie Howe route, right? And that's the reason for oh, right, it. Right, right, so, Eddie Howe. Ah, sure, Eddie Howe, right? That's no, the reason I'm saying that, right? There's, there's, there's a, a couple of reasons, right? Because I, I don't see it happening because I'm not getting too excited about it, right? But you, you mentioned Rogers, right? There was a bounce back. Rogers had a bit of epic in his reputation to build again, and I think... See the time in Bournemouth were doing well. He was touted as being a future England manager, right? That's mm-hmm. again, that's well heavy linked with Arsenal. So, so, I, so that's right, absolutely right. And I just felt as if it's see how now, right? And again, fair enough. Again, it's just it's, it's kind of it's petered out in terms of what happened at Bournemouth. Friend, you could probably say say the same for Chris Wilder. But I think in terms of a young manager, I, I think he'd be a very kind of progressive manager in the way he played and very very forward thinking. If you get the again the structure in place for that type of manager, I think it's a fantastic thing in terms of. Reputation building. If, if that's where he sees he, again his level is, then fantastic. Come in and let's do a job. And also, sorry, Beth, just looking just one more one more thing about that. Again, you're talking about there's been rumours about the the old director of football at Bournemouth, Dave, the guy David Webb, mm-hmm. making a few noises about Celtic as well. And I just feel as if see if you again I keep saying cohesive relationship between a director of football and a forward thinking progressive manager. You've got a great recipe there in terms of actually exciting football, good thinking about actually again developing the club or taking the club forward as well so that's my again that would be a my ideal scenario when you're talking about Stevie Clark you're talking about 
Prescott, etc. Again, I think that would be really, really good. But I just, I don't see it. I personally don't see it. Because I feel as if you see a Newcastle, it'll be, again, that's the type of role he's going to get into, if that makes sense. I can just see that happening. So I don't get too excited about that at all. I, I think we have, we're a, if you appointed how you'd be a hostage to that Rogers situation happening again. 100%. Mm-hmm. However, the, the one reason I don't think Eddie Howe will become Celtic manager is because he couldn't settle in Burnley when he was a Burnley manager. They went back down, so they went back to Bournemouth. So I heard just on that that I think his mother passed away. So, so I mean, Tino's getting side check, check on that, but that's what I'd heard during the week there. So that you know that could be a very genuine reason. So maybe there is something that. to that. So, so not to dismiss your point altogether, N- but no, but so that that was my, my fear is that you know he comes doesn't settle and ends up wanting back down the road again after four, especially with the pressure you put under a Celtic manager because it's so intense. Yeah, and you know that there's just that constant media speculation and attention, but. The, how appointment to me is as similar to Rogers as you're going to get mm-hmm. based on who's available just now and also how has done exactly what Wilder done however what how achieved was maintenance of the top flight status for yeah. a number of years Four and years. actually well overachieved mm-hmm. compared to what, what his budget would have been but like Wilder was also very well. You can't just necessarily put it down to him, but Bournemouth spent silly money on poor players. Yeah, a lot of Liverpool signings that you've mentioned before. I think you know, the thing for Eddie Howe that you know it would depend on how ambitious he is as a guy. Because so we we spoke with Anthony Joseph of Sky Sports News last week. Very good detailed chat available all good podcast uh, platforms etc. However, he made the good point about Eddie Howe in terms of where does he where does he see his future? Does he want to be the Bournemouth, Southampton, Crystal Palace kind of guy. You know, the, the Mick McCarthy, the... Uh, Neil Warnock. Neil Warnock, exactly. Guys that just swim around that area, very well paid, and it's a nice career, but you're just kind of in and out. Promotions, relegation, this, that, and the next thing. But you're never at the top end of the game. You're never challenging for titles. You're never challenging for uh, European competition or anything like that. So does Eddie Howe want to do that? And if so, then it's all there for him. Or does he want to say, hold on a minute, this is something pretty exciting. This is a bit different. This is a bit fresh. Dare I say, he's maybe even seen Stephen Gerrard do it and thought, I fancy a bit of that. So that's what I think would be the attraction for an Eddie Howe type. And I think, ultimately, you know, he's not come out and made any comment and we don't know what he's thinking, but I think it is feasible that he would see this challenge and be quite excited by it. Totally agree. And I just feel as if as well, see me that you talk about Bournemouth as well, see in terms of his relationship with Bournemouth and the players, see you get to see that they were gutted to see him go again. His time is his time is done at Bournemouth. Right? We've seen that again in the obviously situation with Bournemouth. But again, there wasn't any will towards Eddie Howe. The players were basically saying, "Listen, we're trying to again, whatever reason, they just petered out." So, but again, the good, there was a good relationship there, even when things went bad. So, I think I talk about confrontation as well quite a lot tonight. And I just feels if we get somebody that's going to again coach first and foremost, motivate as well. You've got a great recipe there, as I said, to progress as a club. And I just feels if. That, again, that's just my ideal opinion, I manager. I really do because of, you see the Brendan Rodgers factor, he can, he can make, he can make um, comparisons to Steven Gerrard as well. Just, I think there's, it's, it's something to get that, it's something to get excited about when actually you refer to things we're talking about rather than the kind of general Roy Keane, Chris Wilder type appointment and Mick McCarthy, again, it was mentioned in the past couple of weeks as well. It just gets you excited because you can see the plan, you can see the thinking behind it, whether or not, again, there's going to be a role created behind the scenes as well for it as well. So, it's going away for this, alright, who be signing, who, who's who's making the Sved signing, or who's who's, yep. who's pulling the strings, there's, again, there's a partnership there, and we're all going in the same direction, whereas, again, you put an appointment, like, even, again, you see Stevie Clark as well, I, I don't know whether or not, again, how that, but the natural fit would be with Stevie Clark as well, myself, and I might begin to put my, my foot in it there, but, it's one of those ones, it's just, I find that, again, it's a big personality for the role, and it's, what would they, I keep saying this relationship be, so. It's very important, but I think, ultimately, uh, and just a kind of final point on this topic before we move on is that having the director of football slash head coach, you know, system and, and relationship in place, it allows for an Eddie Howe to come in and do well and move on at short notice if that's what happens. You know, Brent, if Brendan Rodgers had a director of football above him and he moved on in the way that he did, you would just slot in your next head coach pretty sharpish. What we done is we had to rip up the whole football department, bring in Neil Lennon, and we know where that got us ultimately. The, the whole point of this new structure is so that if Eddie Howe or whoever moves on, you bring in the next Eddie Howe, whoever that may be, and there's lots of young, energetic, good coaches out there. So that, that you know, that's the ultimate thing for me. That first and foremost, we do put that structure in place, and then obviously the, the more important part after that is slotting the right people into the positions. 
Speaking of motivating coaches, Chris, you had mentioned there is a rumour uh, or a suggestion in the last week or so that Scott Brown, um, he's been linked heavily to a player coaching role at Aberdeen along with Stephen Glass. Any thoughts on that, just first and foremost, in terms of how he would be a, as a coach? And also, do you think Celtic should be fighting to keep him at the club for another year or so? For me, 100% he signs on next season. 100%. And the reason being is that massive personality for Celtic, massive personality. And, and again, some people are listening and go, ah, how can you say that? I can say one for another year. He's been in and out this season. He's no delivered. He's not the only one, by the way, um, this season. But see that personality in terms of the drum and a new structure at Celtic, a new way, new ways of means of thinking. This is Celtic you're playing for. Every single week you should be going out and winning, winning games no matter who you're playing against. We need players of that mentality in the club. Whether it's about the training, the training ground and doing what he's doing, he's working his coaching badges and even coaching at Celtic, he needs to be in the building. He's, he's too much a personality for me to lose. And I said, as I said, it's no that my expectation he'll play every week. He needs to be there to, dr- to just to drill, drill that mentality into the club, into the players, into the new structure, even the new management team as well. To like, give them an understanding of what the expectation is at Celtic because this is a guy who's been delivering for a long time for us so no definitely for me it's, 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 def- it's, it's massive that he remains at the club I, I think you're talking there about a role next season that he should probably have been doing this season not playing every week but being there and being the voice in the dressing room to reinforce the message and to motivate guys and I think we've asked too much of him in the season that we're in what do you think Miff? Uh, I would agree with Chris there that I, I don't think he should be ushered out the door even more important with the type of pre-season we're going to have is we do need a degree of continuity. There is going to be a lot of flux, so we need somebody like Brown in there who is a steadying influence and a, and a big presence in the, in the dressing room to, to remain. We saw how important that he was for Brendan Rodgers when Rodgers came. Um, and arguably, he, he produced his best football for Celtic under Rodgers over a, over a three-year period as well. So for me, I still think he's got a part to play if used in the correct way. You know, squad management, we've been on about at length, has been, been an issue. Um, Brown still being in the squad and utilised in the correct manner absolutely has a role to play at Celtic not only that I would find him going to Aberdeen quite a strange choice given that for three four of the years that he was playing for Celtic they were a kind of direct rival when um, Rangers were, were out of the league so for me it just doesn't really Fit. I, I don't see, I don't see it happening. I would be very surprised if it did happen. And if I'm being honest, I'd be absolutely gutted. Yeah, the, the chat is that he's got a very good relationship with Stephen Glass, who's been touted for the top job. So he's coaching in the states at Atlanta, I believe. I, I, um, I, I've met him. You can see right through him. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. <sighs> a new, a new low, math, a new low. Um, but yeah, apparently the guys have got a good relationship, and that's the suggestion that Glass takes the top job and brings Brown in as a coach. I think is the kind of role Celtic should be making for him. So sign him on a new deal, one year, two year deal, whatever, and have him as a player coach for us. I, I agreed, and I think what you do is, you you know, any contract extension you give him or a rolling contract that you give him, you give him that option where if he is offered a role like that, he, get, he gets to explore it because. Ultimately, if, if we are not going to look after him in, in, in that way or, or we don't have plans for him to be used in that way, then he's got every right to go out and have a look because he should be thinking about the next stage of his career. Like you say, you know, the way he's been used this year is what the problem's been rather than, you know, any ability that he has. I still think he's got a massive part to play and, and the day that he walks out the door um, will be a very sad one. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, another signing news uh, was confirmed finally that Liam Shaw has signed in a pre-contract contract from Sheffield Wednesday. It was rumoured for a long time now, but it's been confirmed. Seems also to be a bit of a needle uh, between the two clubs for whatever reason. Celtic haven't broken any rules or laws as far as I can tell, but Sheffield Wednesday not happy for whatever reason. So 20-year-old, he's a defender slash midfielder. Again, I don't know much about the guy, um, but would you be happy enough with this kind of signing? Is he the kind of guy that Chris Wilder wants in his squad, man? <laughs> very good, team, very good. <laughs> Uh, possibly not because he's for Sheffield Wednesday um, but <laughs> um, no th- there's always room for these types of signings where if we thought, think we've seen somebody with potential at an early age and we can u- utilise this clause that we've got where if they move cross border they have to pay less in compensation then mm-hmm. absolutely we should be utilising that I know we've done it before with the likes of um, Joe Edley springs to mind and more recently and also Moussa Dembele as well I believe so listen those two signings, you would say, were, were, were very good ones. So if, yeah. if he's anywhere near half as good as them, it would be considered a good signing. 
the the issue with Celtic, it's not these types of signings. That's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, we we want Celtic to continue to utilise the transfer market like that. But what we do need are established names because we're going to lose established names, and that is now on the board slash director of football to produce. And we have absolutely no inkling, as as we say here just now, whether that's got to happen. Now that's no that's no harm to Liam Shaw. He'll be he'll be welcomed in. Hopefully someday. The fact that he's played, he seems to have played twelve times for for Sheffield Wednesday. Around about that, 10, 12 mm -hmm. starts that he's had for them in a season of champions. The team struggled. However, they seem to have showed improved form in recent months. I know that when Tony Pulis left Sheffield Wednesday, it was due to there, there was like a bonus dispute with the the board. That was why that he had left. Um, I would I would say if he's been in a team a struggling team, but he's still shown his form. I'd be I'd be quite happy to see him at Celtic Park. He's obviously well enough regarded that he can be played, trusted in a team that needs needs mm -hmm. results. Um, quite often, it's a different challenge at Celtic because you dominate the ball so so much I, I, um, in the Scottish League. So it'll be interesting to see in a different dynamic how, how he fits in. But I would I would say it's a progressive type of signing. What will be interesting is to see who comes in the door with him, and that's what we're all waiting to see yeah it's exactly that it's not so much about Liam Sean and good luck to Liam Sean I think we should always be signing guys of his ilk I think he's just turned 20 and seems to have a bit of potential around him so that's great but it's more about the guys beyond Liam Shaw Liam Shaw could very well be the, the latest Luke O'Connell for example another guy we signed who was playing football at a similar level at Bolton We've seen, I think I've played as many times for Celtic as Luke O'Connell so take, from, take what you want from that um, and in terms of uh, beyond that, yeah, as I say, you know, Liam Shaw is great, but we need well-established names because we're going to lose big, big names from the the team this season. We know that Edwards going, we know that Chris Iyer will probably go, Ryan Christie will probably go. We, we've just discussed Scott Brown. We don't know what's going to happen, and we need first-team ready guys, don't we? Yeah, and, and that's why it makes the appointment so critical because of those guys mentioned, Edward is you know ninety-nine percent out the door, but there's a possibility somebody like Iyer. Christy could stay if you know a new manager comes in and and they make them feel wanted and and share their vision with them that they're part of. So that's that's why I think it's critical to give the fans a bit of hope. You need to make the appointment fairly soon. So moving on, uh, big game on Sunday. Uh, obviously Glasgow Derby, third of the season, kicking off at twelve noon. If it goes ahead, following the the nonsense at George Square and Ibrox last weekend, presuming it will go ahead. Obviously a huge game for John Kennedy and and a chance for him to to prove his worth, whether his future lies at Celtic Park or elsewhere, who knows, but how do you think he'll approach it, Chris? It's hard, hard to, it's a good question, it's not a hard one to actually kind of answer, um, I just think he needs to, again, the stats for the first half of the Tadis speak for themselves, I think, as I said, I think if we could, we just need to just try to kind of chip away at it and just try to be playing the same way and obviously hopefully something comes. Um, in terms of goals, to be honest with you, again, I, I, I don't, I don't fear Rangers on Sunday. To be honest with you, I really, really don't. I've, I've said that twice already this season. We've been beat, so I just feel as if, um, as I said, if he goes about it the right way, as I said, in terms of first half performance, he's been progressive in the way that he's been kind of went about it in the first half at Tannadice. Then, I'm fingers crossed again it, it will click again. Players will be motivated. They'll see what's been happening at the other side of the city and just say, like, "No, listen, we've got a point to prove here." So. Again, I just hope he kind of drums us into the, into the team and say, listen, now's the time to perform. You've got your futures to play, whether it's here or elsewhere. Now's, again, now's your platform. Everybody's going to be watching you. It's now time you can actually deliver for a change in terms of what's happened this year. So Yeah, and that's a good point. They're not really playing for this season. They're playing for next season and for their own futures. There's some, some players at Celtic who there's a real question mark over them. Guys like Lee Griffiths, guys like Klamala, Ayeti, Barkas... Even guys like John Joe Kennedy, Kenny, he's here on loan and, and maybe he fancies a deal and, and you know a change of scene up here in Glasgow. So there's a there's an incentive in itself for those guys to to prove their worth. But how do you see him approaching it on Saturday, Sunday? Sorry. Um. Uh, how do I see him approaching it? Given the success that we had at Ibrox in terms of possession and you know dominance of the play using the the diamond formation, I, I think he'll. He'll stick with that. Um, it would be fair to say that chance creation against Dundee United was also vastly improved. Best of the season. What what you might get is is Rangers being a wee bit more, um, playing a wee bit further up the park than what we've been used to when, when teams have been visiting Celtic Park this season. So that in itself might be you know quite liberating for for the team. 
I think as far as Kennedy's approach goes, I think he should just look at videos of the past three times that Rangers have came to Celtic Park with a very defined game plan and try and work out a better way to deal with it than, than what his predecessor did. Um, now, whether that is by reverting back to 4-2-3-1 and pushing Rangers fullbacks back, but we all thought that would be the case in the game in uh, at New Year. It wasn't. We played the diamond and we still managed to push them right back. The personnel available is different. You know, somebody like Frimpong and the natural pace that he's got, you know, that, that, that pushed Rangers back because you knew he could get in behind. John Joe Kenny doesn't really provide that that same type of option, albeit that he's very willing and, and he's shown himself to be a, a, a decent replacement. I would figure that he'll retain the, the diamond. Um, the work rate of McGregor and Christie means that you can you can do that and still cause Rangers problems. My biggest fear about the game is not really that, you know, I believe Celtic will be motivated purely on the basis that they have been the dominant force in Scottish football for so many years and they won't like the fact that Rangers are now arriving as such. But sometimes in football, you just get these types of seasons and it's that, you know, everything that could have went wrong has gone wrong for us and everything that could go right has went right for Rangers. What I fear is Rangers have shown this season what they have a, unfortunately, very annoying ability to do is win when they've not played well. They've done it against us in January. Um, in fact, you know, they still seem to be producing results against Antwerp. Also, I know it was a, a draw against Slavia Prague. Slavia Prague as well. But don't think they played particularly well and, and get away with a draw. They just seem to be having one of those seasons. And I think, you know, try as we might, I, I think it's just fate that they'll probably rock up and still go the mm. season unbeaten. I, I, I do, unfortunately. Yeah, it well, makes me want to burst into tears whilst I'm recording this, but hey-ho. I agree, I agree with you, Miff. Um, as I said, just coming come in here, I, I think that's where it's going. I think kind of just the general opinion between us. And again, I've very, again, the probably vast majority of supporters probably echoes echoes that. But see, at the same time, I'd go as far as to say, listen, it's due to end some, at some point, so let's go and make it Sunday. That's Ask me this on Sunday morning, I'll tell you what, I'll nobody be saying this, I'll be like, come on, you Absolutely, but I'm saying it's an opportunity to, to burst the bubble. Let's just say, again, it's an opportunity to do that, and again, I would, again, I just, I just hope that's the case. I've been saying that for so long about Celtic in terms of even just this season, in terms of it's time to change it, again, they're going to click into gear, they're going to click into gear, but Personally, I can. I don't see that on Sunday. I don't. I'm going to be honest. Right? I just. I feel as if it's an opportunity to do that. And I can. I, I echo exactly what you're saying, Miff, because I've got a funny feeling just the way that it's going for them this year. That's potentially what's going to happen. But Morelos to score in it. Morelos to score. Oh, don't even go there. <laughs> oh my goodness. But that's that's just my opinion. And I just want to echo what you're saying there, Miff. So I just. I just hope it isn't going to be. Look at it as an opportunity to burst the bubble, basically. Well, uh, Edward Hattrick is a parting gift. That'd be nice. That'd be sweet. Chris Wilder on the stand. Everybody's a winner. I would say there's absolutely nothing to fear. I think Rangers have been easily the better side this season across the piece. We've had an absolute riot of a season from start to finish. But what we have proven, and we've proven pro it, we'll work that out what the right word is. What we have proven uh, in the last game is that man for man and on our day, we can absolutely match them and then some. And obviously, if not for a, a near beat on sending off, it could have been a very different picture. We'll, we'll reconvene post-match Matthew and I will be doing the post-match on Sunday and we'll see exactly where it goes key question of course so will you lads be standing up to give the new champions a guard of honour from your living room on Sunday no I will not absolutely not <laughs> any great reason or just it's not really the done thing it isn't, it's not the done thing between Celtic and Rangers I don't think it's ever been done before I don't see why we should be setting the standard although I get I get the argument for a sporting perspective because at the end of the day you don't have Celtic v Rangers if you don't have football and what is football without gentlemanly conduct and sport however when it comes to Celtic Rangers now nah, you're alright mate No no for me absolutely not as I said you're, again, you're talking about a different animal here for <laughs> me again I'm, I'm seeing Brendan Rodgers again who's obviously been involved in hot seat and been through it many, many times but this is this is a different animal here you're talking about when it comes to Celtic Rangers and it's definitely not for me So, so. Brendan Rodgers has come out today, I think, uh, and said that Celtic should show their class, uh, give the guard of honour and then use this as their motivation for next year. What do you think of Brendan's words of wisdom? I could tell him exactly where he can ram them. <laughs> You're not having it at all? No. No. I, I think don't think we should be taking lectures on humility from that particular gentleman. 100%. Fair enough. I agree. I just wanted to ask you the question, Muff, because I know it gets you going, so that's fair enough. 
couple of guys who who may come back into contention on Sunday. Um, one notably is James Forrest. Obviously, he got some minutes against Dundee United, and he's now or he will have a couple of weeks more training under his belt. Uh, and the other, which has been mentioned, I'm less excited about is Nier Beaton. Any thoughts on those two guys in terms of them coming back? The experiment with Beaton is done for me. Yeah. This again, that's just done. It's it's again done a dot job now and again. But you can you see my hand the eyebrows. It's done for me. Absolutely no way. Should I see Nier Beaton come back in there? I think uh, Stephen Mills come in done a good job. Ayer speaks for himself. Kenny is in there. And then, as I said, it's, you know, again, what the position is with Laxalt probably in the left back. So I think that, that's what it is for me um, when it comes to Sunday. So Beaton, absolutely no way. As I said, he's been there. He's had his chance and it's done for me. So absolutely no way. I, I think they might find a way to shoehorn him in for his height. I think that that's one thing that Celtic are, are very aware of is the lack of height in the team now whether that would be a centre half or even as, as the sitting midfielder I, d- I don't know but I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he played put it that way yeah I, I cannot see him replace he won't replace Ayer full stop and it would be extremely harsh if he replaced Welsh who's actually been pretty steady he's not set the heather light but he's been good and steady in the last X number of games and it would be really harsh to lose his place to, to yeah I think you're right Chris the, the bit part that is near beat on he's just He's never going to be a regular for Celtic, and nor should he be. And I think it's time to, you know, cut our ties with him in the summer. More positively, of course, I'd mentioned James Forrest. What about your main man, Miff? Well, I'm just delighted to see him back. And any team, any Celtic team with James Forrest in it is a better team than one without him. Should he start? Yeah. He'll he'll have about three weeks training by then. Only, Only if he feels like he's ready for it, or the management feel that he's ready for it, I would not... Be risking James Forrest before the end of the season. I would rather he was brought back because it's quite. He was he was out for when September. The Riga Long game time. was the Riga game. Yeah. You know you know what be messing about with that. So for me, it's all about next season before us. Just easing back in gently. Um, probably playing more prominently in Scottish Cup games or, or something like that. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. Um, I wouldn't be risking him if there, if there was any mm. doubt at all. It would be very much be gently, gently for me. Yeah, James Forrest. The the stat that Anthony Joseph gave last week, he's a big fan as well. He said that James Forrest is a knowledgeable guy. Very much guy. Yeah. He's been involved in thirty eight goals each of the last two seasons, either scoring or creating in thirty eight goals in the last two seasons. So if you remove that from Celtic, which is what we've done this season, it's going to make a difference, isn't it? Massive, absolute massive. And again, continue. You know my opinion on James James Forrest and years gone by, but he's. Prove me wrong again, and I think it just get better and better as time went along. Brendan Rodgers came in, and he's been absolutely fantastic. And again, you, you talk about stats, you throw stats like that out there, and it just it speaks volumes for the guy. So that, that's what I was just going to say. That point there, Chris, just Rodgers completely transformed James Forrest's career. If he had left that season between Dyla leaving and uh, Rodgers coming in, if he had left, nobody would have even uttered a word. You wouldn't have blinked. No, yeah, that's the way his career was not. going. He's been revitalised under Rodgers and. And now's the time for him to kick start again. He's late 20s now, very experienced young guy. So this, this is a chance for James Forrest to stand up and be counted and say that he is one of the main men in the dressing room. So good to have him back, but whether he starts or not on Sunday remains to be seen. Um, just in terms of, of that starting lineup, I think I only I think there's only one position up for grabs. So I think he will stick with the diamond. So the back four, in my opinion, will be John Joe Kenny, Laxal, Ayer and Welsh. I just don't think there's many options that aside and Beaton won't feature for me. Greg Taylor still celebrating for last week. I'm not sure the, the, the time scale on Greg Taylor I'd love if he could make it back but I don't know where he's at it's all been a bit quiet on that front uh, Scott Brown will start this game McGregor will start to the left of the diamond I'm sure Christie will be on the right and David Turnbull will be in the 10 Eddie of course will start and it's just that other position John Kennedy in his two games in charge so far has chosen to go with a midfielder so Moyel Yunusi and I think they repaired Christie with him last time the, the Aberdeen game so it's, it's Eddie and one other but so far he's not gone with a striker do you lads think he'll go with a striker on Sunday or will he stick with the, the midfielder? I think he should. Um, but I think he'll go with Elianusi because he talked up Elianusi's goal involvement um, in one of, one of the press. I think it might have been the press that you did, Tino. Um, I think, I think uh, Elianusi's clearly liked and, and valued by the, the management team. It's just trying to find out where you've got to get the best out of him. He's so frustrating because he's clearly a, a talent. Um, I don't I, who would you go with with Edward? Uh, I would go with Ajay. Yeah. Before Lee Griffiths? Yes, on the basis that Griffiths still seems way, way off it. Um, you've invested £5 million in Ajay. You need... yeah. It's interesting that he's he's barely used any of the two of them at all. I think Griffiths came off the bench at United and I think that's the only involvement any of the two of them have had in, in John Kennedy, Kennedy's two games in charge. 
that 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 says a lot, doesn't it? Absolutely. Like that's my concern. Like you're talking about for Sunday. For me, it would be IAR Griffiths, and I just feel. Again, especially with Griffiths. Uh, I think there is a player in IET, by the way, first and foremost. Talk about IET longer term. I think it's the service and delivery. I think there is a player there. But I think we really need... I think Lee Griffiths was Celtic. I really, really do. Again, you look at again, the stats he's past three seasons, 20, 25 goals in three years. Lee Griffiths is a player who owes Celtic. And again, for me, it would be Lee Griffiths and Edward on Sunday. But again, I would, again at the moment, as I said, I wouldn't argue against IET. But personally, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... Well, going, in between, going in between but I just feel as if sorry, sorry Miff just, just to sign off I think it's got to be a midfielder that person, that's my personal opinion Just on what Chris is saying though it's basically down to the evidence with Griffiths we've not seen any evidence that he is fit enough to start but then we've not really seen evidence he's not it's just you're assuming that because yep. he's, he's just not been involved enough mm-hmm. and I think when he did get a brief run in the team he had said oh well I just need to play more he played two games after that then he was hooked at half time the St Murn game and he's barely featured since, which would suggest to me there was rumours at the time that there was a bit of unrest in the dressing room. But with that game, whatever's happened, he's he's basically been an unused sub for the vast majority, yeah. which would suggest that something has happened or the management have just been really unhappy with his attitude during that game. And you just want to see more from him. But like we say, I think we're holding on to the kind of the past. Griffiths more than what has actually been produced just now. I love him. I'll be honest. I absolutely love him. I know there'll be people listening to this going, oh, God, you know, he's done nothing for us lately, but I do think a fit and motivated Griffiths just scores goals. That's what he does. And and those stats are slightly misleading for the fact that he's not been available for probably yep. 75% of the game. So mm-hmm. his goal tally is actually decent comparative to the amount of times he's been on the park. But why has he not been on the park? Yes, he's had personal issues as well. But unfortunately, this season, the season of all seasons, and I think, unfortunately for him, his legacy is going to be tarnished by that because we needed him this season. We needed him fitting at it. And the life choices he made during lockdown meant that he wasn't available for the team and the club at a time when we probably needed him the most. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with your sentiment, Chris, in terms of he does owe the club something. Now, saying a contract and, he, and he's well paid to do so, but the club have been good to him. And as you say, if he's had his personal issues and and I hope he's he's dealt with them and I hope he's getting the support he needs down that road. But in terms of, in a purely footballing sense, there's no good a time, you know, it's Sunday to, to start to repay some of that. But yeah, I, I think John Kennedy will start with a midfielder. My mistake, of course, when, when he took his first game against Aberdeen, he started with Clamalla. You know, how could we forget? Because he's very forgettable, is how. And he is. He's just not in the mix, is he? You, you, you know, we're, we're bandying about names here. We've not even mentioned the guy that we paid three and a half million for. No, no, he's he's not again at the moment. Again, he's just not cut out for it. To, to be honest, absolutely not cut out for it. So, no, for I definitely no for me. As I said, there's four players in front of, in front of him. Um, take a deep breath, my no. Uh, I, I, man, I think Tino would give me a game for him. <laughs> Tino was just not having Kamala at all. I, I'm actually no. I'm 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 like. With Clamalla, you are with Ajay. I actually think if Clamalla gets loaned out, he would, he would show some some value and he might come back and be a player. But to have paid three and a half million for what we've got now looks extremely um, misguided, I think I'll say. Had we paid half a million for a guy, I could then buy loaning him out and, and seeing what happened. Three and a half million for a guy that we're still not sure of, I don't know, maybe 14 months down the line now. Not good enough. Raw. It just looks raw. Yeah. The thing is, out with Thoughts and Edward, who are almost definitely going to lose, you couldn't put the house on any of the three remaining guys, Clamalla, Ayeti and, and Griffiths. So there's a serious gap in terms of the, the striking berths at Celtic and, and we'll need to see how we address that get into the summer. Is there anyone else that, you know, has a point to prove? I suppose the whole lot of them have a point to prove in terms of what we've seen the season so far. But, you know, will guys like John Joe Kenny and, and Laxal and, you know, maybe other loanees, will they be looking to, to get a permanent deal? I think that's what, that's what worries you the most, isn't it? That... Now that the, the league's been decided, you you would like to think that professional pride and motivation has got to get the players up for it and make them realise how, how important it is to the fans. But my worry is it's just a bit like a rudderless ship at the moment that's been cut adrift and is just drifting aimlessly. And from that, you may get that performance on Sunday. That's that's why I'm, I'm, I'm just very, very wary of Sunday for that reason. Rangers will turn up buoyed by the fact they've been confirmed champions and want to stamp their dominance onto Celtic. Celtic look scared of their own shadow at the minute and you could see the frustration amongst the players against Dundee United when chance after chance after chance went to begging. Um, 
if we create half the chances that we did against Dundee United against Rangers, I'll be happy because it'll mean we've played well and we've earned the right to do so. But we must take them. And what has happened this season, <laughs> whilst there have been many issues this season, not taking chances at critical points in the game and then concession of easy goals from set pieces is what's absolutely done us this season. The one thing Rangers are very good at is set pieces, especially the delivery for Barisic. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not overly hopeful on Sunday, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, just because of the mentality of the team. I would dearly, dearly love them to prove me wrong. Yeah. Chris, any final thoughts from yourself as we start to wrap things up? And if you can give us a scoreline prediction as well. Next game's the next one to turn it, or turn it all round. That's where I, I see it. Again, but I echo again, but I'm saying, I just feel as if it's, it's just, again, it's pretty bloodless, it's pretty lifeless at the moment in terms of the performances itself. So expectations, um, Again, I'm pretty low, but I still think we're going to win about 3 0. So, <laughs> good lad, good lad. <laughs> no, I don't know, honestly. I really, really don't know. As I said, it's just it's hard to, hard to judge. I just say again, I just I would use it as an opportunity for us to just try to kick on. As I said, let's just turn around. This could could be the game, but will it be the game? Probably not, not for me, unfortunately. Yeah. So, expectations are low, but a 3 0 win. Math, what about yourself? Eh, hey, I'll go for a, a sterling 0 0 draw and um, the hangover kicking in before a cop. Fair enough. 2-0 Celtic for me to be discussed after the game. So John Kennedy will take charge of his first Glasgow Derby as manager in his own right this weekend and he and his players will be looking to make a statement as we enter the final couple of months of this season. If nothing else, it'll be a good warm-up for us storming our way to a fifth Scottish Cup in a row. My thanks as always to Miff and to Chris for joining me on today's episode of the Celtic Exchange and finally our thanks to you for listening. If you're enjoying what we do, please remember to follow and review us on Spotify, Apple and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you again next week. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.